everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years of Wonder Years podcast. If you've listened to part one of the Now and Then bonus episode movie review, this is now part two. From this part of the episode, we're going to be moving from the Greenfield Library onto the rest of the journey where the girls head home. They end up stopping because Chrissy wants to take a break. She get a uh, bird shits in her hair. They have to go wash it out. The girls jump in this man-made lake. They find out that the Wormer brothers are just across the way, skinny dipping, and hilarity ensues. From there, we also meet Brendan Fraser, who plays this ex-vet hippie, who kind of gives the girls some wise advice. And, and on with the rest of the movie and everything like that. So I hope you enjoy the second half. And like I said, I really enjoyed this movie. I really did. And I'm looking forward to covering The War starring Elijah Wood and Kevin Costner next week. So, And then for the final week before summer ends, I will be covering Stand By Me because that is one of my favorite movies. Have a great day, everybody, and enjoy the review. Find something in the newspaper. It's basically just a, a funeral announcement for 12-year-old Jonathan Sims, dear Johnny, and his mother, 36-year-old Beverly Ann says, Oh my gosh, that woman was my age. Due to the unexpected and tragic circumstances, so due to the tragic circumstances involving their deaths, the family asked that the services remain private. So definitely no paparazzi, definitely no news people, definitely nobody but the family is going to be there. And apparently... When Sam goes to flip the page, you're like, there, that's it. There's nothing else. Well, it's just an obituary, basically. There's no article. It's just an obituary. Actually, wait, no, that's not even an obituary. That's a funeral notice. That's just letting you know, you know, the date of the funeral. It's not going to tell you because probably most of the people already knew how they died. That's the mystery. We won't find out how it happened until, like, the end of the movie. Although, I mean, if they revealed it now, it's like, uh, we still got a bit of movie to go. What are we going to do for the rest of it? The whole thing of the summer is finding out how Dear Johnny died. You know, clearly it was pretty bad because due to the tragic circumstances of how they died, it's going to be a... I thought it was going to say something like, due to the tragic circumstances of how they died, it's going to be a closed casket or something to that effect. But no, it's just, it's going to be private, so no neighbors, no friends of the family, just, yeah. Which is understandable. I mean, you want, what the family grieve in, well, the family, um, let, you know, let them grieve in private. You don't need the paparazzi, you don't need the news people or whoever making a big spectacle out of something and trying to you know get something for the news at like six o'clock like here here we got some footage of this funeral of this one murder that ha incident that happened i don't know 
Moving on. Sam sees that the pages have been torn out, uh, and they're like, well, someone's keeping, trying, they're going to a lot of trouble to keep his death a mystery, which I don't know if they really are, but why would someone rip out pages of a newspaper in a library? That's library property! Alright, so it looks like the girls are going to be headed home, because, you know, they did what they could. And they come across Brendan Fraser playing a... They say basically like he's a hippie, but he's a an ex-veteran who's trying to hitch a ride. Oh, this is one of those type that, like, looks like an old van, but it's, like, got a truck bed. Like, I just was like, get the hell out of my way. I'm not picking you up. I don't care if it's the 60s and we did this. And apparently Stranger Danger was not a thing because it's four teenage girls and some guy who looks like maybe he's 24 years old. No Stranger Danger. They're like, hey, how you doing? What's up? So Roberta is the first one to say, hey, how's it going? And the girls are just kind of riding their bikes, like circling. Hey, I'll go check it out. Who's this guy? It's not like he's gonna, what's he gonna do, chase after you on your bikes? I mean, no way! So, yeah, I definitely want to talk about this. Um, so, like, hey, were you in the army? Vietnam? He's like, was. I was. He's walking with a limp, so my guess is he's been discharged. Because it's not like he's a deserter. He's got a, he's got a limp. They probably said, we can't use you anymore, goodbye. And here's the thing. These girls don't know proper etiquette when talking to a vet. You don't ask about their time over there. You, you don't ask anything about that. You definitely don't ask them if they've killed somebody. Are you crazy, girls? You don't do that. That is not your business. This man, for all we know, could be suffering from major PTSD. He plays it all fine. He's, you know, he's all cool. It's like, yeah, ex nay on the Vietnam questions, okay? He'll ask aliens or whatever else, but you just leave that subject alone. Roberta's the one fielding these questions, and she's the one that asked, did you ever kill anyone over there? And he kind of looks at her, and then he doesn't even answer. He's like, oh, that, there, the, the song you're playing on your little radio? That's a good song. So he's changing the, the, the subject. Oh, no, he does. He says, not because I wanted to. Ugh, it's been a bit since I watched this movie. So, yes, okay, he does answer her question. So, yes, he clearly killed people, but it's not because he wanted to kill them. It was, he had to. But Teeny asks, like, if he got shot, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's a nice song. Let's play it on the radio. Roberta's like, does your leg still hurt? Well, he's walking with a limp. I can only imagine that it probably does hurt. It's probably always going to cause him constant pain. So, the guy stops off at this old, dilapidated, rusted-out house and this old, dilapidated, rusted-out truck that is really rusted, missing a door. He just hangs out, smokes a cigarette, and the girls are just going to hang around him. <clears throat> but they learn a lesson from this guy. He really teaches them something that, you know, they, they take to heart down the road. And he says, you know, taking that hit, you know, basically that shot to the leg or whatever was the best thing that happened to him because he got to go home. He didn't have to, you know, deal with the war anymore. So Sam's like, but we're winning, right? And he's like, nobody's winning over there. 
So Tini takes the bottle of orange soda that Chrissy gives her, takes a sip, and then hands it to the, hey, you want a sip? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. He pretty much drains the rest of it. Cause there wasn't much to begin with. There was not even half a bottle of liquid in there. I love how Tini looks at him. We don't even learn this guy's name, or even if he, you know, I'm sure he has a name. We never learn it. But she just looks at him with this adoration, like, oh, this guy is like a dreamboat, like, and you saw all those guy pictures she had on her walls. It was like, oh, this guy's a vet. He fought for his country. He's cute. He's rugged. So he hands the empty bottle back to Teeny, who hands it to Chrissy, who's just like, what the fuck? What? There's nothing in here. Well, so those orange sodas must have been for the, the ride back then. Because they each had, like, four, like, Coca-Colas, and there are two orange sodas, which they split between the four of them. And this guy here. So he offers them each a cigarette. Wow, one, two, three, four. He offers one to Chrissy, but you know Chrissy ain't gonna be up for that shit. Like, I don't smoke. Gross. So Chrissy's all like, smoking stunts your growth. Fuck off. Chrissy, why do we hang out with you again? Remind me? I can't remember. I could see them as they get older and they go their own separate ways that Chrissy would be clearly left in the dust. Like, see you, bye. But she's not. She and Roberta as adults are as thick as thieves. So we see, you know, he lights their cigarettes and Sam, like, takes a long drag. Like, whew, that was smooth. Like, what? no coughing whatsoever. It's like she's a pro. And you know Roberta smoked before because she's, you know, holding it the correct way and all that stuff. No one's holding it like it's a joint. Oh, wait, maybe someone is. Hold on. I love how Teeny, like, tries to, like, play off the cough. Like, she's trying to be cool. But she's like, <clears throat> <laughs> like, a quiet cough. Like, oh, it's not really affecting me that much. But out of the three girls that smoked, only Sam and and Teeny were the ones that kept it up into adulthood. Which, Roberta, I mean, she becomes a, a, a doctor later on, so she probably is like... How many doctors out there probably do smoke? I mean, even though... I mean, we all know the dangers of smoking. We know that it can cause cancer, right? So, you think as a doctor, I mean... I didn't say so much doctors have a responsibility to their patients in a way as to set an example to not smoke, but I don't know. So Sam's like, oh, did you get a purple art? Or, bleh, excuse me, a purple heart? And he's like, yeah. She's like, well, why don't you wear it? It's a huge honor, right? He takes a drag on his cigarette. He's like, no. So Sam quotes what she saw on the news, which said that the U.S. was starting to gain ground. So he basically tells her, forget that shit that you saw on television. Forget what you saw. Forget what you heard. The U.S. lied about that when they were over there. So yeah, the news is just painting a picture of what you want, what they feel Americans want to see. They want to see... The, you know, the U.S. is winning the war, when in truth, they're probably not. He said even the people that were over there lied about what they'd seen or done. So Sam is pretty much like, doesn't seem like you can believe in much anymore. And of course, uh, the vet is like, you can believe in yourself if you're lucky. 
So Sam's like, are you going to be sticking around here for a while? Why? Sweetie, you want to come back and visit him at this rusted out truck? And he's like, no, not really. I, you know, I don't really like to stick around anywhere, which is understandable. I mean, he's a roamer. He comes and goes as he pleases. He's got no roots to tie him down. He's a drifter. He moves with the wind. So he's like, nah, I don't like to really stick around anywhere. Know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah, we got you there. Yep. Chrissy, shut up! She, is that a weird, that, is that an earring that you're wearing? It's like, yeah. She's the one that calls him out. You're like, oh, you're a hippie, aren't you? Like, so what? Who cares? He's a hippie. I, no. Chrissy, go away. I don't like her. She drags everybody down. The way she's like, you're a hippie, aren't you? You'd think she just called him a child molester. Like, she's so offended and grossed out. And he just kind of looks at her, <laughs> you're a trip. Like, he's getting along with the other girls just fine. And she just looks at him and says, my mom says all hippies are sex fiends. What? So basically, oh, what, a hippie is just someone that wants sex all the time. Like, from anybody... Or anything. What? And even you hear someone say, Jeez, Chrissy. And the guy just kind of like, you know, scratches his side. It's like he's trying to figure this girl out. Like, who are you? You shouldn't listen to your... And he even says, you know, you shouldn't listen to your parents. Your parents aren't always right. It's like, Chrissy, go hang out by a tree somewhere and get shit on by another bird. You're not, like... You're the one that everyone's going to leave behind because you're the sad sack that has to analyze everything. So when he says your parents aren't always right, Sam says no shit. Well, of course, because her parents are getting divorced. Her dad cheated on her mom and just walked out on his family. So Chrissy pretty much excuses herself like it's getting late. Yeah, we should get going. Bye. And the guy's like, bye. Like, hey, we're all hanging out here. Bye. Go away. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> so the girl's pretty much just Bama. Like, oh, right, you know, she's right. It is getting late. The sun is, looks like it's starting to set. So we still got some miles to go before home. Um, thanks for the cigarette. Um, it was nice talking to you. Sam's like, whatever you're looking for, I hope you find it. Teeny has to shake her butt in front of this guy. Like, wiggle her butt. Like, Girl, please. He's 24 years old and you're like 12. That's gross. Oh, it said that Shelby was like two miles away. Alright, so we get to meet Grandma, played by Clarence Leachman. As we kind of see into Sam's home life, since this movie is told from her point of view, we kind of get more of an eye-opener into what's going on with her in her life versus the other girls. So, rumor Willis as, oh boy, Angela, Sarah, what, why, I, I don't like saying my own name if I don't have to, but anyway, like, where's my Danny? And of course, is this the first time she's asked this because her mother looks like she's had to field questions. Where's Daddy? Where'd he go? When's he coming back? She's been feeling these questions probably for, what, a week? And even she's like, I told you, honey, he had to go away for a little while. As in, yes, I've told you like a hundred times within the last week. At breakfast, lunch, dinner, bedtime, nap time, yeah, bath time. I've told you a hundred times. This situation has not changed. Stop asking me. 
And she does say that you'll be able to see him soon. And Sam, of course, like, let me guess, every other weekend and holidays. So does she know how divorce works in custody situations? Because, or where did she learn that from? She must read it from somewhere. Maybe in the ba the the girl uh, Chrissy from the Babysitters Club. Her parents are either you know divorced and everything, and well, Chrissy really doesn't see her father that much. But even still, and this girl is just annoying. She's like, but I want to see him now, and she's like, "Honey, I told you you can't see him now. He's not here, and I'm not gonna go track him down for you." So while Sam's mother collects uh, collects the dishes and kind of goes over, she and Sam kind of share a look of like, "Don't." Test me right now. I don't need this from you. Um, she puts the dishes by the sink or in the sink. Sam bends down in an almost whisper, secret whisper type voice. and says, "Hey, I saw Crazy Pete yesterday." Of course, her mother hears this and says, "You girls, leave that poor old man alone." So she knows what happened. Granted, that didn't tip off Sam. Like, oh, um. Why is he a poor old man? Did something, um, happen to him? I mean, but, but then again, there's nothing to tie that man to the situation with Dear Johnny just yet. So, I mean, unless other, you know, people out there, sleuths, if you will, watching the movie are, like, pinning these threads, connecting them together, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Of course, now Sam has to be like, why do you dress like that anyway? And her mother's like, dressed like what? Like that, you know? I mean, it's embarrassing. I'm so embarrassed when you leave the house. I mean, my gosh. The the shorts that you were wearing were so short. Your vagina was practically exposed. I mean, ugh, gross, 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 gross. You're dressing, you're 36 years old or however old her mother is, and you're dressing like you're 19. Come on. You have a teenage daughter. You don't need to be... And she's not dressed that bad. It's not like you can see through her dresser or anything. Of course, knock, knock, knock. Who's at the door? It's Granny Cloris Leachman. Whose mother is she? It's gotta be... Her mother? It's gotta be... Why would her, her mother-in-law be like... Oh, you had to go back to your husband. He needs you. Blah, blah, blah. He made a mistake. Like, no. So, Sam's little sister says, what's going on? It's just grandma. And Sam's looking at her like, what's going on? And, of course, uh, she tells Sam, your grandmother's upset because your father moved out. And Sam, I agree with Sam. Like, go yell at him. He's the one who moved out. So, is that, okay, that's got to be his mother then? This lady is like cray cray. She's like, I know you're in here. She's banging on the windows, banging on the door. I saw your car in the garage. Open up the damn door. She gets crazy. Like screaming at them. Like, I will call the cops. I don't care if you're related to me. You do that to my door and you sneak around my windows. I'm calling the cops. I don't care if you're like my Siamese twin. Don't do that. Nowadays, someone does that to you, somebody's calling the cops. Some, uh, they be like, that person's a crazy person. They look like they're trying to break into the house. So it gets to the point where this is stupid. And Sam's even like, what? Why are we hiding under the table? She knows we're in here. 
Dang, this isn't going to make a difference. She says, you have to get him to come back. Oh, she has to get him to come back. Really, it's her fault that he left. Bullshit. You need to be banging on that man's door. But then again, she probably doesn't know where he's at. You probably left no return address. You owe it to yourself and the girls. <laughs> this is nuts. She is bent over the railing, knocking on the door on the or the window on the side of the house. Do you notice how ridiculous you look? There are people that are probably watering their lawn or like mowing their lawn and seeing this weird lady just knocking on windows. All right, so the girls want to get some answers. Clearly, the newspaper is not going to help them. They wasted a trip. Well, they didn't so much waste a trip. They learned some stuff, right? They had a journey. They're going to go to Willadine, the lady that called them Hey Boys, at the diner. She, of course, you know, Teeny mentioned the girls and ladies and witchcraft and whatnot. It's like, hey, she, you know, tarot card reading, we can kind of get an idea. Well, what happened? So, it says Mystic Advice Readings. So, they knock on the door. She's like, oh, I'm a little blue today, boys. Like, we need your help. So, they all turn to Chrissy, who's holding that can of money. <sighs> Why are you bringing it all with you? Just take out, like, ten bucks. What, how do you even know that's even what she charges? What if she charged more than that? I'm surprised she didn't say, well, I mean, this is a good start, but... You know, I think I need a little more if I want to, like, do an accurate reading for you. And she clearly needs some money, so she just takes it like, all right, come on in. So, of course, Chrissy's like, I can't believe we had to spend ten treehouse dollars and blah, 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 blah. Like, why do you bring her with you? Seriously, why? She's just going to bitch and complain. Leave her home. She doesn't have to come. So, they tell... Willa Dean, they're trying to contact Jonathan Sims. She's like, yes, I know. And they feel a strong spiritual presence there. Well, for $10, I bet you do. That's Chrissy's line there. So she kind of, like, moves her head around a little bit. And just, you know, working out the kinks in her neck. And she says, the spirits are here, and yes, they want to talk to you. She grabs the cards. So she puts out this black felt cloth. Has the tarot cards, gives them to Sam, says, all right, I need you to shuffle these cards and then cut them three ways facing me. Now relax your minds and bodies and be open to his presence. So Sam says that we want to find out how he died when she, you know, puts, there's a sword card and a death card. So we see a body on the card and we got like one, two, three, four, five, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten tall swords in this person's body. We don't even get to see the result. I would have liked to have seen how that, like, what did she say? I'm sorry, I can't, just, you have to leave now. This is not good. Because all you hear about them is talking about saying how she was scared, like, you were all scared, like, of what she had to say, whatever. So, basically, they're like, oh, she's a fake. But Sam's like, we need to talk to someone who was alive when he died. And, of course... The grandma. So they get on a payphone because payphones were all over the place back in the 70s. So they call her up. Like, uh, she's busy today, but we can go over there, like, tomorrow and talk to her. 
So she says we can stop over tomorrow, and of course, uh, Roberta's like, yeah, but I said we'd paint my dad's garage door tomorrow. You can't do both? There's four of you. It won't take that long to paint a garage door. And then you could, like, you know, get all, you know, redressed up and cleaned off, and then you can just, you know, go. What what other stuff does your grandma have to do? Other than, she, I guess she, shoot, sorry. She plays poker. You can do that whenever. You're retired, lady. You don't gotta work. Alright, so a boy zooms past on his bike. Roberta apparently knows him. Like, oh, where's the fire? What's going on? He's like, oh, there's a softball game at the, the b baseball field. All right, let's go check it out. And it's like, oh, it'll be a boy. So Teeny's like, oh, yeah, let's go. All right, so Roberta is up to bat. And, of course, who is the pitcher? Why, it's Scott Wormer. And that Brett kid from the beginning of the movie that Teeny's got a thing for. Of course, Scott wants to embarrass her. He tells outfielders to move it on in because she ain't going to hit for shit, so... He just looks at him like, oh, give me a break. I want to, like, okay, fine. I'm going to whack it out of the park. And then you're going to have to be running for that ball. And of course, Scott's like, oh, this is for yesterday. And I'm like, you know what? I saw your dick. And I can tell everyone here just how tiny it is. You want to try me? Go for it. So we got Kenny, who told them about the game to begin with. He's like, oh, yeah, come on. Roberta hit it over their heads. And you got these other boys looking at him like, shut up. Like, you shut up. Oh, it was a foul. That sucks. So, Chrissy, who's never seen a sports game in her life, is like, oh, touchdown! Like, shush. Seriously, if you don't know what game you're watching, you need to keep your mouth shut. And Chrissy's sucking on Pixie's stick. <laughs> I remember one time I got this giant Pixie stick. Huge. It made me so constipated. <laughs> I was 12 or 14. One of them. One of them. I just, this thing was like at least over 12 inches tall. This pixie stick. Huge. One of those giant ones. And it's just, I was like, oh, 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 just tipping it back. And it's like, Ugh, I'm so constipated. <laughs> All right. So I guess this is Morton. Curly hair, curly dark hair. We got some glasses. He goes right up to her. Presses his, this is a point to remember. He presses his glasses back, pushes them back up his nose, right? That's going to come in later. He's like, hello, dear. As he, the girls are sitting up on the fence. He's like, and Chrissy just looks at him like, oh, get away from me, you weirdo. I love how Sam whispers into Teeny's ear because Sam and Teeny are sitting right next. <laughs> to Chrissy and Sam just whispers we don't know what she whispers in her ear but Teeny just laughs her ass out like whatever she said is gotta be the funniest thing and of course she Chrissy tells him to get lost nerdo but the guy like sits up on the fence next to her and Chrissy is like at her hands in her lap like don't touch she's like kind of moving like over like with her body trying to get as far away as possible so, she's setting up for her next hit, and this piece of shit, front ass, boy, guy, sitting on the fence, is like, who are you kidding? Girls can't play softball. And Roberta turns around like, excuse me, what did you just say to me? Everyone just freezes what they're doing. Like, oh, I want to see how this plays out, because 
wow. Like, the game just stops. And everyone is like, okay, what's going on here? Shit's gonna go down. There's gonna be a fight. You know there's gonna be a fight. You can't say that to somebody like, oh, girls can't play softball. I'm like, you wanna fucking bet? And he's like, this guy, this beefy teenager is like, I said girls can't play softball. Roberta drops the bat and just starts, I would've like, why are you dropping the bat? Go over there and bust his head, man. I would've busted his ass. And Scott's all like, what is she doing? What? <laughs> And of course, Chris is like, oh, Roberta, remember you're a lady. Like, uh, no, she's about to kick some ass and throw down, which well-deserved, yes. And this guy is, like, not even faced by her approaching him. Like, why don't you go home and play with your dolls? And of course, Chrissy's like, the only doll Roberta's got is the G.I. Joe. I would have knocked his ass back off that fence into that cow shit and shoved his face in it. And she just, like... Hauls off and sucker punches him right in the mouth. So she knocks him off that fence and then he's climbing up. And she like yanks him down onto the ground and she's got him right there on the ground. So they start tussling on the ground and everything. She finally gets on top of him and starts landing punches to his face. The only thing we see is he's got a little bit of blood dripping from his nose. Of course, a crowd is formed around them. Um... Sam and Teeny gotta pull her off. Like, alright, that's enough. I'm like, no, let her go at him. I would've, like, I ain't stopping you. And the guy gets up, no problem. He's like, oh, you crazy bitch. And Sam is all like, how does it feel to get the crap kicked out of you by a girl? Oh, this kid goes too fucking far. He's like, too bad your mother's dead. Somebody should teach you to act like a girl. Oh, and Roberta is like, let me at him. Let me go. I am... Sam's like, oh, fuck, no, you didn't. And she, like, jumps on that guy. Like, I ain't gonna bust your ass, buddy. It's dark by the time that Sam gets home. Of course, you know, her hair is kind of mussed. She's got a little dirt on her face and her, you know, shirt and everything. Of course, when she walks in, she's not expecting the sight that she sees. Which is her, this man at the table she's never seen before in her life. And she's supposed to act nice. Like, oh, honey, you're all dirty. Go fix yourself up and come back down to dinner. Like, oh, no, actually, she comes into the door and her mom's standing there. And you see this guy she's never seen before holding her four-year-old sister like he belongs there. So her mother's like, oh, Samantha, there you are. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Mr. Kent, who's played by Hank Azaria, who does a lot of voices on The Simpsons. This guy's like, oh, your mom's been telling me all great things about you. Just says that you're a real good kid. He's like, it's a pleasure to meet you. Puts out his hand, and Sam is like, I am not shaking your hand, buddy. You can just put that down. So, of course, her mother's like, Samantha, like, shake his hand. Samantha, come on! And she's like, I am not doing that. Oh, she finally shakes his head. Oh, I guess if I have to. And this is inappropriate as hell. He's like, oh, it's a great pleasure to meet you, little lady. That's not inappropriate. What he says next is an it's very inappropriate. He's like, whew, you're a looker just like your mommy. Like, ew! I like, slimy D-bag, you are, Ew! And the mother is not faced by that. Like, oh, that's a compliment to me. Like, basically what that guy's like, oh, your daughter, you're hot like your mom. Like, excuse me. You bastard, put that other kid down and get the hell out of my house before I throw you out of it. 
You sick bastard. So, we learned the guy's name, the guy's name is Bud. And he's trying to make, you know, conversation with Samantha. It's like, oh, if I get good with, in good with the kids, then I'll be able to really, like, worm my way into this family. It's like, oh, yeah, Sam, you're, Samantha, your mother tells me you're really interested in science. And Samantha, who we see, is just picking at her food. She's like, science fiction, you dumb dumb So, this guy's like, oh, you ever been to the Smithsonian? And Sam is just like... He's like, oh, that place is something to see. That place is big. I mean, bigger than big, am I right? <laughs> this guy is way out of line. He's like, oh, I don't know, Mom. I think we need to plan a trip to D.C. before school starts. I'd be like, who in the fuck do you think you are? This is just a first date where you're in some lady's house. Now you're wanting to plan trips with this family you just met? That woman probably already gave it up to you anyway. I don't think you need to try so hard with her kids. Or at least one of them. One, The little one loves you. That one don't got no qualms about it. The other one, is, uh, Sam is the one you gotta worry about. And she is not impressed. You could say whatever and say, I'll take you all on a trip to Disney World. She ain't, she ain't gonna be up for that. Like, you're not her dad. She don't want to go to D.C. with some damn stranger. Of course, Sam's not like, oh, I just think that would be just great. Wouldn't it be great, Samantha? <laughs> it's like her mother's like really trying, like, please just help. Come on, honey, be be a proper hostess. <laughs> and this guy is wearing a scarf. Uh, a scarf um, makes me think of. And his outfit. He's wearing like a blue like leisure suit. You know what he makes me think of? Fred from Scooby Doo. Only he's got dark hair and not blonde. Oh, oh, you know who he also makes me think of? Mr. Uh, Furley from Three's Company, who was played by Don Knotts. The scarf, the scarf. And he just looks at her mom like, oh, I think we all might have a pretty good time. Like, gross. Of course, Sam's got one in the chamber. She's like, my dad's going to take us there. And of course, that shuts him right. He's like, oh, well, hell, like, yeah, nice try, buddy. So Sam's like, uh, Mr. Kent, and he's like, oh, please call me Bud. And she's like, Bug? And you see her mother, like, <coughs> choke on her drink. He's like, no, Bud, <laughs> Bud, B-U-D. And Sam's like, well, Bud, you have a piece of food stuck in your teeth. And she, like, casually just sips her drink, like, yeah. And that, of course, is so just... Like, oh my gosh, I have a piece of food in my teeth. He's, he's such, you know, like, oh my gosh. As his glass tips on his lap, just boom, shirt and the crotch of the pants, boom, just covered in like red wine or whatever that is. First date jitters, that guy says. He's like, oh, unbuttoning his shirt and everything. And he's got this wife beater underneath and it's got a little bit of uh, red wine on it or grape wine or whatever it's called. And the mom, this is the nail in the coffin, brings out her husband's bowling shirt that has his name, it says Ted on it, and gives it to her date. Are you kidding me? You bring this man into your house, your kids have never met his ass before, he's talking about taking trips to Smithsonian, D.C., and now you want to put a shirt on him that's got your your husband's name on it. 
And you don't think that's insensitive, insensitive to your kids? Bitch, you need to check yourself at the door. So we go over to Teenie's house. She's hanging out on the roof. She's got a clear shot of the drive-in movie, which isn't too far off. They're watching Love Story because Sam's like, all right, I'm out. She just leaves like, I'm out. I don't want to deal with this crap. You better be gone by the time I get home. I'm going to bust his ass. Why is the cat not hanging out on the roof with the with the girl, with, with Teenie? I mean, the cat can climb down no problem. But no, the cat's hanging out in the window. Apparently her, Teenie's parents are having a house party or a key party or something party. So she'd seen Love Story before, because the way she gets a view of it, it's way, way up there. She gets a view just over the trees. And Sam's kind of like, hey, you want to go check out the treehouse? So they just go over to uh, the Sears parking lot. Well, not the parking lot, but maybe where they have their, like, their garden supplies and everything. Because the house, the uh, the demo house or prototype or whatever you call something. I don't know what it is. All right, now we're hitting over to Roberta. She's shooting some hoops at night. She's got the lights on on the garage. Everything's good. Guess, guess who comes walking by? It's Scott. Of course, he feels like he's got a mansplain basketball to her. It's like, it's like, oh, you're not following through. I was like, who asked you for advice, dude? Did they have girl basketball in the 70s? Like, she could probably join a team when she goes to high school. It's Roberta, because he was about to leave. He's like, see ya. And she's like, hey, here. And she throws the basketball. And I'm like, hey, let's see what you can do with this basketball. Let's see if you can show me up. And he sinks it, like, and he puts his hands up, like, nothing but net. See? Simple. That easy. And she chucks the ball, like, right at his chest. And he's like, ugh, jeez. So they do a little one-on-one. -on -one. So she sinks a basket, he tries to make a basket, misses, she catches it, and makes a basket. So that's, they're having a good time. So he catches the, the ball and just goes over and like, hey, you're pretty good. I mean, not just for a girl, you know, but uh, for a guy too. And she's like, oh yeah, thanks. So, of course, Roberta's, you know, like, oh, hey, you, you want to hang out a little longer and get you a pop or something? He's like, oh yeah, sure, that'd be cool. So this is Indiana. Do they call it pop in Indiana? Because here in Michigan, they do, I call, I've always called it pop. I've never called it soda in my life. Or if I did, I was too young to remember. So now we get the famous first kiss scene on the porch swing. And let me tell you how many times I watched this scene as a teenager on VHS, putting myself in Roberta's shoes and wanting to be kissed by Devon Sawa. What teenage girl didn't do that back then? So, Scott is just kind of sitting there like, hey, Roberta, why do you think we fight all the time? Because they're at that age, it is confusing and stuff. It's like, you fight all the time because you're a boy and a girl, you haven't developed those, but they're on that cusp of developing feelings. And she's like, well, I don't know why we fight. I guess it's just something to do. And the way that she's, like, he's, like, leaned forward with his, um, his elbows on his knees, holding his drink, and she's kind of sitting, like, straight back in the chair, like, I don't know, like, where's this conversation going? <laughs> and he's like, oh, because, uh, I was wondering, because I, I, I think you're a really nice girl. And he's being sweet, 
and completely, I could even say maybe he's being a little vulnerable right now. He's being a little open. And you could say maybe this could be an act or maybe this is just, you know, him like, ooh, I'm going to get this girl to kiss me. I just got to play the sweet and vulnerable innocent type and she'll uh, completely fall for me. And Roberta's kind of looking at him like, I always thought you hated me. And that's when Scott leans back against the back of the porch swing and says, yeah, so did I. I kind of wonder of the fact that maybe he considered her kind of ballsy to, like, take their clothes when they were, you know, the boys were brothers were skinny dipping. And the whole thing at the baseball field He's seeing her in a whole new light, in a way. Like, this girl can hold her own. Like, she would beat my ass and not think twice about it. So he, and plus they played a good one-on-one -on -one game. So maybe he is kind of seeing her as more than just, um, a tomboy, just like one of the guys, and maybe seeing her a little differently. And now he turns kind of sideways, or at least his body kind of sideways and goes to slowly like inch his arm ever so slowly to try to uh, touch her shoulder. Like put the arm around the shoulder. And he's like, Roberta? And she like turns and looks at him like, what, 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 what do you want? What? <laughs> and he's like, can I you? Or something like that. And she's like, what are you mumbling? Like I've barely caught any of that. So he's like, uh, would it be alright if, uh, can I kiss you? I like, and even girls today would like that he's asking permission to kiss her. He's not just full on going in there and just kissing her without her consent. He's asking. And she's like, uh, um, okay, I guess. And he, like, practically, like, jumps on her. He's like, oh, great, ready? Because he was, like, at least three inches apart from her on that swing. He's, like, right up on her side. Like, great, ready? And she's like, uh, now? He's like, uh, yeah, I mean, unless you don't want to. Now, I noticed Roberta is wearing, like, a metal chain around her neck. That looks like, could that be a St. Christopher's medal? Maybe? I don't know. And she's like, you, you want to do it now? He's like, sure, I mean, if you want to. And she's nervous! She's got this shy little smile. Okay. So they kiss, and, uh, it's a quick little peck. And when he pulls back, he's like, oh my gosh, that was so great. And she's like, eh, it was okay. So she's like, Scott? And he's like, yeah, like, oh, you want to kiss me again? You want me to kiss you or something? Well, he doesn't say that, but the way that he's up on her again, like, oh, I'll kiss you again. She's like, if you mention this to anybody, especially your brothers, I will beat the shit out of you. And he he sees, like, she is not playing around. Like, I, you try it and I will fuck you up. <laughs> so he kind of pulls away from her, leans back, takes a sip of his pop, like, okay. <laughs> so now we move over to the... Garden center, I'm guessing, uh, behind the Sears, where this, it's a display model, is what it is, of their treehouse. So that's pretty cool. So they're playing a little truth and dare. Uh, Teeny and Sam are. So one of the questions, which I heard in an episode of One Tree Hill, is like, if you were stranded on a desert island, who would you kill in... 
for food. And, of course, they pick, uh, Sam picks Chrissy because, quote-unquote, she'd feed more people. <laughs> so, now they get a little real here. As Sam asks, do you like your parents? She asks that to Teeny, and Teeny's like, well, I mean, I don't really know my parents, but as far as I can tell, they're assholes. When did she ever actually see her parents be parents? Probably never. My guess is they did not plan on Teeny. She was an oops baby. And that's sad to say, but... I mean, and she knows that. And Sam kind of goes back on what that soldier said about, you know, your parents not always being right. You know, she said, just because they're adults doesn't mean they know shit. Well, you're not wrong. I mean... And... Sam admits that, you know, she believed, you know, her parents that they knew everything in a way, you know, as kids do. And she admits that her dad moved out and her parents are getting a divorce, which I understand she didn't want to be different from her friends because none of her friends. Well, think about it, though. Roberta's dad is a widow. And Teeny's parents aren't that great. They clearly didn't want to have a baby, but... They just leave her to her own the devices. And look at the, her marriage track record. She was married four times. I mean, one was an old, but it was still four times, technically. So Tina's like, I thought your parents got along. And Sam's like, well, I lied. I just wanted to have a normal family, like the Brady Bunch. And this is where Tina's like, well, there are no normal families. I mean, Mike and Carol are widows. And Sam's like, well, the Partridge family, then. It's like, Shirley Jones is a widow. Buffy and Jody are orphans. That is that family affair? What shows that from? And Teeny starts listing like courtship of Eddie's father, widower. My three sons, also a widower. Well, what about Andy Griffith's show? I grant that probably didn't. Was that out at that time? Because he was a widower too. Full House, even though that would still be at least less than you know 20 years away, he was a widower. There's a trend here. Bonanza, widower. Beverly Hillbillies, widower. And Teeny's like, see, Sam, there are no perfect families. It's normal for things to be shitty. I'd be like, go out there and you find me a perfect family that doesn't have problems or a history. I mean, any family you look at is not going to be picture perfect. There's going to be something there. Bad for Sam. I mean, she's like, it might be normal that things are shitty, but it still hurt. It does. Parents don't seem to understand how hard divorce is on a child. A child grows up with, you know, both their parents, and all of a sudden, one day, one of their parents isn't there. So Sam gets up and sits down by uh, the window in the treehouse display and says, All those parents died, Teeny. My dad chose to leave. And I'm remembering when, in the beginning of the movie, when the girls that are all adults are sitting outside, and how adult Sam is saying, well, this whole baby thing baffles me, Chrissy. You have a baby, you raise it, you inevitably screw up this child, it resents you for screwing it up. It basically resents you, it feels guilty for resenting you, then it has a bit. So basically... Sam probably did resent her mom for a lot of time, a lot of the time, or even resent her dad. And maybe down the road she pro probably did have to have counseling. 
And, she, you know, she felt guilty for the times that she probably gave her mom a hard time. Like, it wasn't her fault that her dad left. And her mom probably had to, I mean, we don't, we don't know the story. We don't know what happens between the ages of, like, 12 and, and 30-something. We have no idea that space of time that happens in between. Does Sam and her little sister, do they get counseling? I doubt her parents work it out. They end up getting divorced. I kind of wonder at some point if Sam decides she doesn't want to visit her dad or she doesn't want to see him, like, a part of her will love him, but she doesn't accept the fact that he's chosen to leave, you know, her family and everything. So, I want to say I did get the, I don't have it on me, but I did request it from the library. The library ha happens to have the book, so whether or not they send it to me is... That's up to them. <laughs> um, but if I do get it, I will do a separate mini podcast just kind of going through the book and different things like that. So we can get a little insight, maybe some things that weren't in the movie that were actually in the book, stuff like that. But Teeny's got these, they're David Cassidy beads and she, this necklace, she breaks it apart and makes two friendship bracelets. It's really raining as the girls get out there and then all of a sudden they're riding home to find that the bracelet fell off, it fell in the drain, because the rain probably picked it up and pulled it into the sewer grate. This is really dumb on Sam. Like, just leave it. Don't worry about it. You can make real friendship bracelets yourself. Get the beads and the rope and the whatever you need, right? I mean, the gesture was sweet, but you don't need to almost die to get these beads. Because she slides into this sewer grate. And then you see all this water pouring in. It's like, it's gross. It's dark. It's dingy. There's a rat somewhere. It's just really gross. And poor Teeny is like, what can she honestly do? I'm surprised that Sam was even able to fit down that that sewer grate thing. Because Sam... Uh, Poor Teeny is, like, pounding on the manhole cover. There's no traffic. It's, like, late at night. And, yeah, it's like, no, Sam, because the water fills, like, fills up. It, it goes down and everything. It's like, Sam could drown and she could die. Her mother would not know where she is. So, really, all that Teeny can, because it seemed at one point she was going to try to pull her up through the grate. But with all the water rushing in, you know, it's cold and slippery and everything, She, they lose their grasp on each other. So she's like, help me, help me, Teeny. And Teeny's way of helping is like screaming, somebody, somebody help, my friend's in trouble, you know, and everything like that. And poor I my heart breaks for Teeny. It's like she wants to save her friend. And she's pounding on this manhole cover, just like... <laughs> Just the idea that her friend could be drowning in this water. Luckily, her cries were heard by Crazy Pete, who shoves her out of the way and is able to get that manhole cover off. So luckily, Pete does grab her and, you know, the, together he and Teeny pull her out. The girl's a little scared because, you know, they don't, you know, this man is just... To them, he's a crazy loon. He's crazy Pete. He only comes out at night. He's trying to make sure, like, honey, are you okay? Are you okay? And Teeny has just got her arms around Sam, like, holding her, protecting her and everything like that. Poor Sam is really freaked out. 
and she's like trying to get away as as away from him as much as possible. Like, I don't like this this closeness. Like, please. Like, I I get you know he just saved her life and just but she's just heard so many things about this man. Like, I thank you for saving me, but but I I really I need to get away from you. <laughs> Because, well, I like the gesture that Teeny puts that shawl around um, Sam's, you know, shoulder across her back and shoulders, you know, that blanket, basically. And it's like, the thing is sopping wet. It's not really doing anything, but the gesture is sweet. I think he was just trying to reach for something, but the girls, like, now they're standing and they start to cower away from him. And he looks at them after he just saved this girl's life and my heart breaks for this man. He's like... Why are you afraid of me? And Teeny's like, it's it's weird the way you only come out at night. It's kind of scary, you know? So, as he's putting on his jacket, he says, well, I, I, I don't like to see a lot of people, and, and people don't really like to see a lot of me. My heart breaks for this man. It really, really does. And I'm going to get to that towards the end of the movie. Like, this really needs to be explored, because this... Really, really breaks my heart, this poor man. And he looks at Tina's like, you get her home, okay? And, you know, he rides off on his bike, and Teeny turns to Sam's like, if you wouldn't have been there, Sam, you, 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 you might have died. And I'm getting teared up right now. <laughs> so, we do get older Sam's narration, and she says, we both know, Teeny and I both know what would have happened if he hadn't have been there. And that night, we caught a glimpse of a hero in Crazy Pete. Like, yes. Yes, you did. This is a small... Wait, are, are there two garages there? Or is there just one? So, of course, Teeny, Sam, and Roberta are painting it white, right? Guess who's hanging out at the edge of the driveway, sucking down a Twinkie? Yeah, Chrissy. You could be helping. And Roberta's like, get your ass off the asphalt, pick up a brush, and get your butt over here. We could be getting this done a lot faster if you get your ass up. And she's like, oh my gosh, you know if I don't eat every few hours, I get nauseous. Like, shut up. That dog, I hope, that dog's just hanging out. He's just laying there. Like, I'll keep you company. Don't get paid on me, though, but I'll keep you company. Oh, yeah, because Chrissy's like, oh, Roberta, you missed a spot. And Roberta's like, get your ass off the asphalt and help me. You stupid girl. I don't like Chrissy. I'm not a fan of her. I'm just not a fan. But this song they're singing, they're dancing to Sugar Sugar. <clears throat> and, um, <laughs> oh, it reminds me of that episode. I think it might be, in, it's the one where... Bart joins the junior campers in The Simpsons. There's this rafting trip. Of course, Bart and Homer end up being in a raft with Flanders and, um, is it Rod or Todd? One of them. And pretty much they take the wrong way and they get, like, way out into the ocean. And we see Homer on this beach with these giant, like, 
lollipop faces with like eyes and mouths and he's like sugar dun 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 oh honey honey dun 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 you are my candy girl and you got me wanting you no basically um you notice that the candy starts to melt and homer's just like dreaming or whatever and it's because the battery is worn out on that Walkman. And he's like, oh, it's a stupid thing. Throws it into the ocean. And poor Roder Todd is like, I got that for my birthday. <laughs> I just, whenever I hear this song, it always makes me think of that Simpsons episode. <laughs> of course, the Wormer Bros decide to walk in their Roberta's driveway. I'm like, excuse me, this is private property. Get your ass off my driveway. And they're just there to heckle the girls. Well, three of them are. Scott apparently has had that kiss, that magic kiss that he and Roberta shared that the other girls do not know about, seems to have changed him overnight. So Chrissy, of course, has got to be the insecure. Like, oh, I thought I smelled something foul. And, of course, the one that plays, uh, Young Kevin and Little Giants is like, hey, maybe it was your armpits, lard butt. And, of course, Chris is like, oh, your wit astounds me. He's like, hey, I ain't no nitwit. Of course, the other one's like, come on, man, let's get out of here. It's like, why are you in my driveway to begin with, you little trolls? Go away. So, of course, Scott is the last to leave. He looks at Roberta and just like, ladies, and just kind of lightly bows. And walks away. He looks at Roberta like he is a changed man. I bet that was the only kiss they ever shared. I bet. So, of course, Sam's like, what's his problem? And Teeny's like, maybe he's a pod person. Well, because of, you know, the uh, invasion of body snatchers. Um, of course, Roberta kind of looks at him like, hey, maybe he's not such a creep after all. They're probably looking at him like, uh, they're looking at Roberta like, uh, what now? What? You like him now? What's up with this? When did this happen, Roberta? We want details. Give us the deets. Of course, we cut back to Scott, who's longingly looking. They're walking across people's front yards. There is a road. Go walk in the road. There's, like, no traffic. Back in the day, you could play catch or you could do whatever in the road and not get hit by a car because it's just in this little suburb area. So, according to Sam, that was the day that Roberta quit taping her boobs. All right, now we're going to Grand Grand's house. Cloris Leachman, she's going to scream at them. Why is your mom going to your dad and trying to get him to come back? Like, Grandma, please, we didn't come here to talk about that. We came about to talk about something else. Something we know that you know about. Oh, Grandma, Grandma's got that big old fat orange cat. Her <laughs> old Garfield. This is my cat Garfield. No, we don't know that cat's name. We don't, we don't, how many animals? Okay, Roberta's dog. We've seen the dog, right? Tandy's got a white cat. We've seen that cat twice. We've seen Roberta's dog twice. And we see this cat who does not have a name. Of course, she's like, oh, I didn't know you are bringing the whole neighborhood, honey. Like, well, no, not the whole neighborhood. Just my three friends. We're pretty inseparable. That cat, she's like holding that cat like one-handed right under the armpits. And that cat is like, my butt's practically on the ground. Just let me go. Just let me fall. I'll do it. I'll just... <laughs> this cat. 
Yeah, this cat is like, please just put me down. My butt's practically on the floor anyway. Of course, she says, okay, girls, go sit down. But she holds Sam back and says, how are you holding up, honey? Of course, Teeny knows the truth, so she goes over to, like, save Sam from an uncomfortable situation. Like, oh, don't worry, Mrs. Albertson, we're taking good care of her. Like, oh, Grandma, I'm fine. And she's like, oh, good to hear it, honey. I've been worried to death about you. Like, okay. Her dad, I mean, I get she's worried. Her dad has just left them. It's not like he's dead. I mean, granted, yes, I understand, like, she's allowed to be upset and grieving, but Grandma's kind of blowing it out of the water, out of proportion here. Like, just let her handle things her own way. That's how she deals with stuff. That's why she'll write that book, Aliens Next Door. So nosy Chrissy's like, oh, Sam, why is your grandma so worried about you? And Sam just plays off like, who knows? Because we got Teeny and Sam are like right next to each other. And of course, Chrissy is like way on the other end of the couch next to Roberta, who's sitting in a chair. Grandma brings out some lemonade. The girls take it. Is there alcohol in that lemonade? Because they like take one step and they're like, Bleh. Either that or she dumped, like, a whole pitcher's worth of sugar into that. She must have dumped sugar in it. Or maybe there's alcohol. There's got to be maybe alcohol in there. Because Grandma has no... She's like, oh, this is fine. This is some good... It's not Mike's Hard Lemonade or anything like that. But it's just like, ugh. It's, it's great. Yeah. Just... We're... Yeah. <laughs> so Sam is pretty much out with this question. She says... Do you remember a little boy our age and his mother who died in 1945, Jonathan and Beverly Ann Sims? So she doesn't sugarcoat it. She comes right out and says it. So here's what interests me interests, <laughs> interests me about this whole thing, right? It's happened in 1945. And this event was so upsetting to this community, this tight-knit gaslight edition community, right? That they pretty much put, like, a lid on this. Like, no one's going to talk about it. Don't ask about it. We've tried our best to, like, put it behind us pretty much. So this is, that happened in 1945. It's now at this point 1970. So you got at least 25 years of time. Nothing else of that magnitude, of that capacity, has happened to that community in that amount of time. Nothing. No one's been robbed. No one's been stabbed. No one's been gotten to a big car accident like Roberta's mom. Or if it's anything like a bank robbery. <clears throat> I think it just happened to the housing community. And it's such a small, tight-knit little Shelby, Indiana town that... Maybe they took precautions after that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would hope that people locked their doors. But then again, I mean, for all we know, that the Sims family did lock their doors. Or maybe, I mean, that's at the time, 1945, maybe you didn't lock your doors and someone just walked into your house. But I find it hard to believe in 25 years, nothing else has happened in that small community. Nothing? So basically, yeah, all they want to know is how they died. They got the when, they got the what, that they died. They just want to know how it happened. And Teeny pretty much says, did something terrible happen to them? 
clearly a must have. Probably, no, they probably thought, like, maybe... Well, if it were a car accident, it would have said, right? I mean, clearly they know it was something bad. She, so, Grandma says yes, but it's the kind of thing you don't want to hear about. So, she offers them cookies to, like, kind of shut them up and just, like, end the conversation. Like, please, we came all this way, just tell us. We want to know. She says, you'll have nightmares for weeks. Really? Why is it so much that they want to protect these kids? Like, this whole, whoever, even Willadine didn't really give any real details, I mean, other than those tarot cards. So it's like, are they out there to, what about the other kids in that town? Do they know how it happened? Or are they just, don't even think about it? Because it happened 25 years ago before any of those kids were born. The only reason they're even curious was because Sam is the one that said, let's go to that seance in the cemetery. Still begging her at this point to tell them. So basically she says, it took me a long time to forget that terrible tragedy. So definitely something terrible happened to them. And she says, I really don't want to dredge that up again. It's like, we've all kind of slowly begun to move on and move away from that terrible thing that's happened. And the last thing I want to do is bring all that up again. I'm like, yo, this was a real waste of time. Then we're gonna go. This is garbage. But before, because Grandma's got a bingo game she's got to get to with her girls. Um, she does say, "You're just like your grandfather. All that stuff that he has in the attic, like collecting, you know, hoarding, basically newspapers. Yeah, you're just like him." She. Oh, she's using that, um, one of those, like, sweeper-like things that you, it almost looks like a vacuum, but it's, like, basically a non-running, like, vacuum-like thing on a stick. I know there's a word for it, but I can't think of what it is. And she says how Sam's grandfather had these weird fascinations. He was curious about everything that went on in this town. Oh, why did you have them come over? If you didn't have a lot of time, to, well, granted, she doesn't want to talk about it, so what point is there in staying there? Say, oh, I'd love to chat, and she pulls the drinks right, right out of their hands. But I've got a big bingo tournament over in, what does it say, Fireland? It says She says Far, Farland, but it says, it looks like Fireland. So she, the girls are all just sitting there, like, taking that information in, and Scram's like, come on, come on, let's get a move on, girls, let's go, I gotta get out of here, let's go, 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 go. Rushing them the hell out of the house. She's like, I want to make sure I get the good cards. What the hell is she putting on her head? A, a wig? That's ugly. It's not ugly. It's like curly, this little small weave wig or whatever the hell this is. It's like, her girlfriends are like, come on, move your butt. We want to get some good cards. Damn it, last time we didn't. So as the grandma is getting in the car, she looks at it and says, Oh, you come and see me again soon, Samantha? I'm like, uh, that ain't happening anytime. This will be the last time I see you for a while. So as soon as grandma is, like, in that car, it's like, zoom, going down the street. All right, so um, they have to climb up to the attic window, which I guess in the trivia, even though it's not really trivia, and it's not a goof, it does make sense. One of them could have gotten up there and opened the door. And then they all could have went through the front door, but 
So while Sam and Roberta are kind of going through stuff, we got Teeny who's trying on this old-ass wedding dress, if that's even what that is. Apparently Teeny wants to play some music while she plays dress-up, so she uh, puts on a record. So Roberta's going through some other things, which ends up being a photo album of her parents. Like, ooh, yeah, that's what I want to look at. My parents, who are no longer together. So Sam's like, oh, those are my parents. And Roberta's like, oh, they make a great couple, don't they? Of course, Sam immediately stands back and I'm like, uh, yeah, they do, I guess. And I get my... Roberta might be into it because, you know, her mother's dead and everything. Like, to the girls, like, Sam is probably the only one that has, like, two... Well, Teeny has two parents, too, and I'm sure that Chrissy does because we didn't hear anything about her only having one parent. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Jackpot. We got it. Here's the paper. It says, Murders Stun Town. Suspect at Large. Investigation underway under Dear Johnny's picture. It said another heading underneath um, Beverly Ann's picture says Neighborhood Shaken. So the girls all kind of crowd around as Sam actually reads it and just says, just basically just like we thought they were murdered. So Sam reads the article. It says, Beverly Ann Sims and 12-year-old Jonathan Sims were found brutally murdered late Friday night. Their bodies were discovered by Peter Sims after leaving the sidecar pub around midnight. He entered his house to find his wife and son had been shot to death. Holy fuck! Can you imagine? That guy goes out to drink at a bar? Comes home and finds his wife and son shot to death. Holy fuck nuts. Oh my god. And you get a reaction of the other girls are just absolutely stunned. So basically the sheriff's department believes a burglar was caught off guard. And killed the two witnesses when they apparently woke. And they have no clues as to a suspect. Basically the sheriff has every reason to believe the robber was just passing through. Great and has left the area. So basically now her grandfather had done an editorial from himself. He sent it to the paper. So basically what he writes is what what appears to be isn't at all. That's the knowledge we've gained from the brutal deaths of Jonathan and Beverly Ann Sims. If we thought Shelby was a safe, sleepy town, sheltered from the violence of the outside world, we were deceived. But Chrissy is just so gung-ho to believe that Shelby is a safe town. And she looks at her friends, Chrissy does, and says, if something like this could happen here, what do you think it's like out there? Because this is just, you know, small town Indiana. Think of how bad it must be out there. My guess is that's why Chrissy never left. She was so scared to venture out into the, into the the rest of the world and just get out there that she and she stayed in her mother's house. She didn't move. So I think that learning this information, as scary as it was for these girls, this was like a slap in the face of reality. But out of the four girls, Roberta takes it extremely hard. And she even kind of 
she's kind of pulling from the depths of, you know, the death of her mother and everything. She gets up and just throws something into that mirror, which now she's got seven years of bad luck. Um, yeah, it's just, Christina Ricci, out of the girls, she knocked it out of the park with this scene. Out of all four girls, she is the one that gets this. But then if you think about it, out of the four actresses, Christina Ricci is the most well-known. And then Thora Birch and Gabby Hoffman. And... But Ashley Aston Moore, I don't know what else she had really done either before or after this movie. She was almost probably like an unknown. Like, out of the four girls, she was the one that didn't have a lot of credits to her name just yet. She goes over, Roberta does, goes over, slams the record shut, and just starts pacing in anger. Like, she's just trying to put together the fact that these two people died... Because someone went and robbed robbed their house and then got spooked and just shot them. Chrissy, you're not helping. She's like, Roberta, it's okay. And Roberta just, like, breaks that machine. No, it's not okay! I'm going to play this clip because this is amazing acting by Christina Ricci. I, I cannot do it justice myself. So I think that Roberta is not 
just so much upset about, you know, Beverly Ann and um, Jonathan Sims, she relates this back to her own experience with death with her mother and just like why why did she have to die it's like her life was taken from her by a trucker or a truck driver who fell asleep at the wheel and beverly and sims and her son their lives were taken they didn't none of them got a choice in that that their lives ended so shortly because somebody wanted to rob them and that person got spooked and shot them because can't have any witnesses, apparently. Jeez, oh, Pete! You'd think if someone got, was robbing somebody and they got spooked, wouldn't they split? Wouldn't they get out? But then again, if, like, say, one of them, like, came out into the hallway, like, they heard noise came and, and was shot, I don't know. But, and Roberta just feels all she has left is her dad. And he lied to her about how her her mother, just a beautiful angel, came down and took her away before she had a second to feel any pain. And it's just, and think about it, we don't see. Is Roberta going to confront her dad? How is her relationship going to be with him moving forward, knowing that he lied? It's like, you lied about this, what else did you lie about? So the girl's kind of sit in a circle, and, and Roberta's like, all I, you know, he's all I have left, and he lied. And Chrissy's like, Roberta... He's not all you have left. You have us. The other girls chime in with, like, yeah. And even Sam uses this opportunity, like, you're not the only one, you know, going through something, Roberta. My mom and dad are getting a divorce. And of course, this is news to, you know, Roberta and, and Chrissy, like, really. And Chrissy is the one that takes it upon herself to form this pact. Like, here and now, we form this pact that whenever one of us needs each other, no matter how old we get, no matter how far away we move, that we're going to be here for each other. And, and she says, even if Teeny moves to Hollywood and becomes an actress, or I marry a rich doctor. Which, surprise, surprise, she does. <laughs> so the girls decide, we need to finish this. We need to put dear Johnny's spirit to rest. We need to put him to rest. Because they still feel like they brought his spirit into this world. So Sam, they've all joined hands and everything around these candles. Like, tell us who did it, Johnny. We're here to help. He's not going to tell you. Girls, you don't... For all we know, this guy who shot them probably could have even been a drug addict. We don't know that. For all you know, he could be dead. It's been 25 years. This guy could have committed another crime. He could be on trial for murder of somebody else. And for all we know, this thing could have, granted, if that had come up, if, say, that person had been caught and he killed somebody else, and this whole thing about how he had murdered two other people in a small town, if that information had come up, it would have been on the news, it would have been in the paper, it would have gotten back to the town of Shelby, Indiana. So Sam, of course, is facing away from this light and this fog that's coming, and the girls are like, oh my gosh, and we see this, it's a tractor. We don't see it at first, but we see this new headstone that looks like it's almost suspended in midair. And they freak out. It says, rest in peace, dear Johnny, May 22nd, 1933 is when he was born. And he died on June 10th, 1945. So he was, had probably just been 12 for like a couple weeks. 
finally, you know, it, it's revealed, it's a tractor holding up a headstone, which he's doing this in the dark. I don't know why. Do they get a lot of visitors to the cemetery other than these four girls? And this guy is, like, irritated. He's like, what the hell are you doing here? This is not a playground. Like, you girls could get hurt. If I hadn't seen you here, I would have run over you. And Teeny's screaming, like, oh, it's the killer! Like, okay, Teeny, relax. It's not the killer. That guy is much too young. I mean, that guy was probably not even in high school. That guy looks like he's probably, like, early, mid-twenties. So, he was probably a baby when that happened. And he tells them, this isn't a playground, this is a cemetery. You need to show some respect. Of course, they're like, hey, we have a lot of respect for the dead, okay? That's why we're here. Like, excuse me? Oh my god, they actually tell him, we resurrected dear Johnny from the grave. And he looks at him like, oh, oh really, you did, huh? And of course, Teeny's like, well, how do you think his tombstone got cracked? He's like, uh, because of my tractor, because someone's gotta mow the lawn, and it's extremely difficult with all these headstones, you gotta be careful, sometimes one of them gets cracked, and then we have to replace it. So basically the girls get a dose of reality here with the fact that he admits... I knocked the headstone over with my tractor. That's how it got cracked. So basically, they're like, oh, you did? And he's like, yeah. It's hard to mow around these headstones. And sometimes stuff happens and they have to be replaced. So the girl's thinking, oh, we brought him back to life. He's like, no, you really didn't. And you get a reaction shot of all these girls as the camera goes from Chrissy to Teeny to Sam to Roberta. Of them, the realization dawning on them, like, this little thing that they were doing with the seance and everything. Bullshit. It's bullshit. It's not, none of it is true. And at the end of the day, it was just a childish thing that they thought that they resurrected dear Johnny from the dead. He just shakes his head like, oh, you kids, I swear. Ooh. And Chrissy pretty much like, I'm not doing any more of these dumb seances. What a waste of time. And then, of course, like, I can't believe we actually thought that we brought him back from the dead. And <laughs> Teeny's still grasping, like, well, what about the tarot cards and the blah, blah, blah. And they're like, just really, let it go, okay? So the three girls leave Sam to kind of clean up the candles, blow them out, gather all the stuff. And while she's there, well, actually, no, wait, actually, um, she goes to dump it in the trash, and she's like, oh, I forgot something in the cemetery, because they're already outside of the cemetery, and Tina's like, oh, you want me to go with you? And Sam's like, no, I'll, I'll be right back. Oh, they actually do see Crazy Pete. Of course, Roberta and Chrissy have no idea of the connection that Teeny and Sam now share with Crazy P is like, let's just leave him alone. Let's just leave. That's all that needs to be said. Oh, she wanted to bring some flowers to take to dear Johnny's grave. Okay. And mind you, like I said, this is all done at dark, during the dark. There's fog all over the place. And she goes back with the flowers only to see flowers have already been placed on top of the grave. And there's somebody already there. It's Crazy Pete. But, you know, now that Sam knows the truth, you know doesn't know the truth, but, you know, they share the connection. He's not Crazy Pete anymore. He's just Pete. And he turns, and he's surprised to see Sam there. And that's when Sam makes a connection. Like, you're him. You're Johnny's father. You're 
Peter Sims. So, uh, you know, Pete says, you know, they were my family. And he just kind of, you know, goes on just talking. He says, for the longest time, I thought I could have stopped it. If I would have been home instead of down at that bar. And I'm thinking, that's, yeah, that you feel that way that maybe you could have done something. But that man could have shot you too and you all would have been dead. What were you going to do? What could you have done? If that man had a gun, he would have... You can't overpower a person with a gun. I mean, I, I don't know, but... And he's just feeling such damn guilt because he was at the bar when that happened, only to find it... I, I, I understand that guilt, and, and I think that the, the people of that town just almost kind of ostracized him, just kind of like... The point where they probably blamed him like yeah why weren't you there why were you at a bar why weren't you home protecting your family and that's why he doesn't come out at night he's like people don't want to see me they don't they probably don't want to be reminded of maybe he does remind them of that terrible thing that happened in that town and maybe you know maybe pete just drinks away his life it's like he's probably doesn't see a reason to keep living, but he is. He, there's a reason that he survived, because if he hadn't think about it, Sam would be dead. She wouldn't be standing there talking to him. And Sam even says, like, you were there for me. You saved my life. And Pete just as, goes on talking like, I wasted a lot of years. I mean, really, 25 years. That's... A quarter of a century. He says, you know, I've been afraid to face people, mostly afraid to face myself and, you know, what he did and what he could have done. Sam goes over to him and takes his hand and comforts him. And this is just an amazing, amazing moment in this movie. I know the movie's just about over, but even still. And she says, I'm scared too. And he looks at her and says, what's your name? And he says... Samantha and he says well Samantha things will happen in your life that you can't stop but that's no reason to shut out the world there's a purpose for the good and the bad and with that he puts his hat back on and he walks away to his bike and I'm kind of wondering the thing with the bike maybe I don't know I mean do you think that maybe he lost his license and now he's just got to get around on around town on his bike really I mean I don't know and I love how Sam older Sam says he gave me the only gift he could the lesson it had taken him a lifetime to learn and I'm committing that last half from memory because I've seen this movie so many times and although I understood the importance of his words it's only now looking back that I understand their meaning so Sam puts the flowers down and says rest in peace dear Johnny so she's kind of putting this part of herself, like, putting it to bed, just saying, okay, we've had our fun, so to say, in a way, we've learned a lesson. We've had this amazing summer where we learned stuff about ourselves, about each other and everything. But now, in a way, it's time to put away childish things and start to actually go grow up. All right, and a summer. They got that beautiful... Oh, it's so beautiful. It's got... Uh, 
it's white and it's, and it's pink and Chrissy's got the pink um lace curtains to put up in it. It's so pretty. Did it come with them or maybe they just had to uh, buy it? All right, we got Teeny up there on the balcony. She's putting on some lipstick. Oh, we hear Chrissy. Thank goodness the subtitles I wouldn't have gotten. It. She's like, this is ridiculous. Why don't you help? Stop messing around. Of course, Teeny's like, I'm busy. And Teeny's like, besides, I look better with makeup on. <laughs> you need makeup to put, to put it together a treehouse and decorate it. Yep, okay. Whatever you say, Chrissy. I mean, uh, Teeny. Oh, Roberta's got some what look like red fuzzy dice. So I like the, um, Sam's, she's saying here about how they always wanted to fit in. We wanted to look exactly alike. Do all the same things. Practically be the same people. Oh, that's not fuzzy dice. That's like a hummingbird feeder. Oh, that's cool. And when we weren't, this is, uh, you know, older Sam's voiceover. And when we weren't looking, that changed. The treehouse was supposed to bring us more independence. And we see Sam, you know, writing in a journal. That could be a book one day. Just the experience, that summer experience. But what the summer actually brought was independence from each other. So they're all kind of dressing differently. Everyone's got their own little style here. Of course, we have Roberta kind of calling Sam back into the present day. Like, Sam, Samantha, hello? We have a situation. As we hear Chrissy, they're all back to being adults now. This is now present day 1991. We got Sam running out of the house going to her car. Because you, you hear Chrissy like, oh, like she's going to have the baby. She's going to have the baby. And she's gonna go, Sam's going to go move her car because Chrissy's in labor. And she's like, uh, your car is blocking my Jeep. Oh, because she goes to get in the Jeep. And it's like, uh, Sam, your car is blocking my Jeep. None of you could have parked on the street? Really? And, of course, Tina's like, oh, it's coming. I think I saw its head. She's wearing... Like, overalls, you're not seeing the baby's head poke out just yet. Just chill. Yeah, you didn't see its head. Relax. Sam seems almost manic as an adult. Like, oh my god, you don't- Did you see its head? Like, no, no, relax, relax. Oh, the limo! Yeah, take the limo! Hell yeah! So, of course, it's like, alright, get the bags, call Morton, let him know we're on our way, because Morton's a doctor, so is Roberta. Okay, what- Oh! Is that like a thing of tennis- like a plastic container of tennis balls, like, for squeezing, like, when the- when the pain gets to be too much? That's what looks like Chrissy's got there. She's holding on to that thing of tennis balls to, like, clamp onto when the pain gets to be too much. She's also got a pillow, too. So, apparently, Roberta is like, hey, look, I need your car. How you doing, limo driver? He's like, all right, yeah, great. Um, I'm doing okay. What? You need my car? Why? And this guy's looking at her like, excuse me? And Roberta's like, I have a pregnant lady. I gotta get her to the hospital. And, of course, like, hey, I can get you there in a jiffy. Roberta's like, oh, well, jiffy is not gonna work. It's like, first of all, he's a limo driver. That is not the same thing as driving a car. They're a lot bigger. Not too much you have to have a seat, um... A chauffeur's license, right? So Chrissy is like, get out of the driver's seat, buster. So, like, yeah, let's just get out, get out, get out. Finally, the guy's like, well, I'm clearly not going to win this argument, so I guess I better get out. It's got, like, a burgundy interior. Oh, yes, those are tennis balls. Okay, and there's a pillow there. 
And of course, Teeny's got the um the bag of the stuff that you know she'll um. Chrissy will need. 1991! Pre-cell phone, you had the little, you know, the flip phone type thing. Okay, so Morton is actually a dent- Oh, there's a Burger King! Oh, cool! In the back window! They're driving in the limo. And, um, Roberta uh, comments on how it's got good suspension. She almost runs over somebody. He's like, watch it! Like, oh, sorry. So Mort Morton's in the middle of the root canal, so you can't exactly get away. Yeah, if it's a root canal, yeah, you can't get away from that. Like a doctor, doctor, like Roberta. But so, uh, yeah, Teeny's just relaying the message. He's in the middle of the root canal, but he will meet us there at the hospital. How did Sam get to be so manic? Like, oh my goodness, because Chrissy's like, oh, there's oodles of room back here. And she, there's a stereo there too. And there's a, there's a VCR, a, a tape, um, a, a t little TV with a VCR. How dated is this movie? A VCR, really? And of course, Roberta is like, yeah, she's like looking back, like, hey, does it have a remote? And of course, Chrissy's like, ah. So Teeny's like, can you please kind of try to do the Lamaze breathing a little? She's trying to help her. Poor Sam is like trying to get as far away from Chrissy as humanly possible. Like she's pressed so far up against the back, the the door there. It's like I wish I could get just away from you. So, Roberta is just like, hey, look, Chrissy, your uncle. Oh, no, it's not. Of course, Roberta is, or not Roberta, Chrissy's like, ah, she's clutching her stomach, like, ah. And poor Sam is like, oh, shit. And Chrissy's like, no, shit. <laughs> no swearing around my baby. And then you see Chrissy like, shit. <laughs> she's in the hospital. She's in the bed. Like, shit. Ah. <laughs> Apparently, they did not have time to give her any type of drugs. As Roberta, of course, is at the helm of the ship. Like, all right, Chrissy, you are going to have to push now, okay? Push. Basically, pushing, I guess, is almost like you're trying to, like, make a bowel movement. And, of course, Chrissy's like, I changed my mind about the drugs. And Roberta's like, honey, it is too late for that. You just gotta push. Dang, girl! Chrissy's like, give me the drugs or I'll kill you! <laughs> And Sam's like, give her the drugs, give her the drugs. And, of course, Roberta's like, Sam, look, you're going to have to relax. You're not. Where are the tennis balls? You brought them with you, right? Where are the tennis balls? Squeeze the tennis balls. They might help. This just seems so unlike the Sam that we knew as a 12-year-old. He's, like, so, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, hey, like, anxiety or something. So, luckily, you can see the head, so that's good. Of course, Teeny's like, oh, you really can see its little head. Like, yeah. So, Roberta's working there by herself with no one else assisting her in this. She's clearly either that good or they couldn't afford to pay another person to, like, be a stand-in. Like, let me, if you need my help, I'm here. Because you know Sam and Teeny ain't going to be able to do anything. So, yeah, Sam's like, is it supposed to look like that? And it's like, yes, it's supposed to look like that. Kristen's like, is it, a boy or, is it a boy or a girl? And Roberta's like, honey, it's just a head right now, okay? I don't know the sex of the baby. We just got a head. All right, so it's like, all right, we're almost there. Now we need one more big push. So, of course, it's like, okay, come on, one more. And she's pushing and stuff. He's like, I want it out of me. Get it out, get it. Which is remnant of that whole thing with the bird shitting in her hair. And Sam's like, get it out of her, get it out of her. It's like, well, she's got to help push the baby out. And the baby slides right out. There we go. 
It's a girl. You got a baby girl. That baby is like really like, yeah, clean that baby up. I know, you know, when the baby comes out, it's like, yeah, I want to hold the baby. I want to hold the baby. It's like, yeah, but then we got to get her cleaned off. She's all icky. She's got baby birth stuff all over her. Here we go. Oh, um, oh, Teeny and Sam, they're, they're all just, they got tears in their eyes. Doors fling open. Boom. Morton's there. He goes around the corner like, hello, dear, as he pushes up his glasses like, yep, that's him, all right. That's Morton. He was the guy that uh, Chrissy married. This is such a sweet moment between Chrissy and Morton. It's like, honey, we have a baby girl. I love how Chrissy mouths to Roberta like, I love you. And Roberta mouths it like, I love you. And it's like, oh. All right, it's 1991. Looks like the kids are gathering once again to play Red Rover. In 1991, they're playing Red Rover. So, yep, they're all in the treehouse. And, of course, you're passing the baby around. We don't learn the baby's name. I'm afraid I'll break her. Someone's like, yeah, I know. Roberto, of course, makes a joke about how the baby looks like Rush Limbaugh. Was he really big back in 91? Alright, so the girls are going to play one last round of Truth or Dare. So, of course, he picks Truth. And, of course, Sam asks, are you happy? And, of course, Chrissy's like, of course I'm happy! I'm so happy I can, like, burst and just throw happiness like, all across to all of you. Alright, truth or dare, it goes to Teeny now. Roberta, truth or dare, of course. Truth. How big are your boobs? <laughs> Again with the boobs! And of course, Roberta kind of throws it back at Teeny. Well, just how big are your boobs? 36D and worth every penny. So apparently, yes, she did have to have a breast implants because she wasn't happy with her breast size. So she must have waited till she was an adult to get them. And the look that Chrissy, like, looks at him, like, oh, she doesn't have real boobs. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> Robert's like, D, who knew? <laughs> so, Teeny asks Sam, like, truth or dare? And Sam picks truth. Are you happy? And Sam's honest. She's like, eh, no, but it's, I figured it's normal for things to be shitty. So, she says, I got an A-plus on career day. I must have missed that class on personal relationships. So, basically, like, yeah, I have the career that I want, but as far as, like, having relationships with people, it's like, I'm kind of, you know, she kind of keeps herself closed off from people, which, yeah. So, Chrissy, of course, like, maybe you should integrate color into your wardrobe. You know, pastels look really great on it. It's like, no, it's not about introducing color into her wardrobe. And, and Sam says it's not about pastels or men. It's about me. And even Teeny's looking at her like, what are you talking about, Sam? And Sam says, I've had how many relationships in how many years? I honestly think that that is a result of because her parents got divorced. I really think that that is. Like, she's so scared to put herself out there and let herself be loved by someone. She's a f most likely afraid of rejection, the fear of you know, it ending badly, and she doesn't want to put her heart out there. It's understandable. She says, I've run from every single one of them. Which, of course, doesn't make it easy to get to the next level, which, Teeny says, the intimacy level, yes. And Sam is like, well, if you don't fall in love, you can't get hurt. And Roberta says, but it sure is lonely all by yourself. Like, it can take a toll. I mean, it can, yeah. So Sam brings up that... Remember that summer with Crazy Pete? And Tina's like, God, we'd love to mystery, didn't we? And Roberta's like, did we have fun that summer or what? Like, oh yeah. Many adventures. 
Sam's like, yeah, it was the best. She says, I used to send Crazy Pete a Christmas card every year. Oh, no, Teeny says that she used to send Crazy Pete a Christmas card every year, but it came back last year. Oh, she put cash in it. Oh, okay. He must have lived quite a while. He looked like he was maybe, like, 40 years old. And then maybe, so and add another, like, 30 years to that, he's probably going to be around 70 plus or eight, even 80. And Roberta is the one that said, yeah, he died. And apparently, Teeny had no idea that he had passed away. So Sam is going to drop the ball, drop the bomb on the girls that they had no idea. She said, I never told you guys this, but Crazy Pete was Dear Johnny's father. The girls were like, R what, really? Even Roberta, I don't think, knew. So she remember last science? I went back and he was putting flowers on Johnny's grave. And she says, he said something that didn't mean as much then as it does now. He told me things happen in life that you can't stop, but it wasn't a reason to shut out the world. Truth. Truth, Crazy Pete. I mean, Pete. Peter Sims. And Sam just realized, like, I've been so afraid of the bad things that, that I missed out on all the good. And you hear her voice kind of crack, like, she's upset about that. She's closed herself off from probably anybody and any real feeling towards somebody for fear of what could happen. That she's missed out on a lot of things, getting to know a lot of people. And I wonder, how is her relationship with her mom, her dad, her younger sister? And she admits them. She's like, you know, I didn't want to come back here. Which is understandable. She left as soon as she could get out of that town. She graduated college, or, uh, high school. She was out of there. Like, I am out of this town. I'm out of the state. I'm going to go to New York. And she admits, you know, I didn't want to come back here at first, but now I'm really glad that I did. And she says, I've forgotten how much it helped to have friends. You guys have you guys as friends. And she looks at the treehouse and everything. She's like, we're really lucky to have this place. And each other. I gotta say, Demi Moore, who plays Sam, adult Sam, just, her, her scene here is just beautiful. And she just says, you know, um, continuing on, a part of me would love to just stay here forever. Granted, she's like, uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> and it's nice to, yeah, you know, come back and visit every once in a while and stuff like that, but I think what's, yeah, what Sam means just... In that treehouse, it just felt like you could shut out the entire world, and it was just the four of them. And even, you know, they do the Three Musketeers all for one and one for all. Or basically, it's the four of us against the world type of mentality. And I'm just thinking, depending on how long ago Chrissy got married, because that picture of her and Morton doesn't look that old. And I'm just, did they all come back for Chrissy's wedding? Oh, here we go. We're going to make a pact again. Chrissy says, all right, let's make a pact. As the song Now and Then keys up in the background. And they go all for one and one for all. And we hear kids outside chanting, Red Rover, Red Rover. And the, the ladies look out and they're like, hmm. What does that remind you of? They decide to join the kids and play Red Rover. Oh, that's cute. So I take it, um, Chrissy just kind of handed the baby off to Martin. Like, hey, we're going to go play Red Rover with these kids. Us 30-something-year-old women are going to play Red Rover with a bunch of, like, 10-year-olds. 
And we do get uh, another voiceover by Sam. She says, you can run from the disappointments you're trying to forget. But it's only when you embrace your past that you truly move forward. And we do hear, just underneath the voiceover, the kid they call over. Willie Wormer! Ah ha ha ha! One of the Wormer kids had a kid. Great. Willie Wormer. Oh, my God. It's bad enough with the last name, but the first name being Willie. Probably short for William, but still. I just think Willie, W-I-L-L-Y, like, the whale. I don't think W-I-L-L-I-E, like, Willie Olson from, Willie Olson from Little House on the Prairie. And she... Continues, maybe Thomas Wolfe never got to go home again, but I found my way there. I bet that's her, what she's been quoting this whole time, that's gotta be her next book. It's just gotta, I mean, and I was just kind of thinking about earlier, well, yesterday and like the last couple days, of the Stand By Me characters, which one is which? I mean, everyone's got their own opinion of who's who. You definitely are gonna probably put Chrissy as a Vern type character, not just because, you know, she's overweight, but because of the insecurities and everything like that. So, okay, we have that person. I'm gonna say Sam is definitely a Gordy. Um, so then we would have Roberta and we would have Teeny left. And then the two other characters we're gonna have left are gonna be Chris Chambers and Teddy Duchamp. So, I gotta say, maybe... That's a tough one. I mean, I definitely kind of want to align Roberta with Chris Chambers, in a way. And then maybe Teddy with, um... Teeny just a little bit, but it's kind of a... Kind of hard to, like... Hmm. I'm just thinking about it. I'm not sure. But then I was also thinking, what about the Babysitter's Club? Now, there are only four girls here. There are five, well, main core five of the Babysitter's Club. You have Chrissy, you have Marianne, you have Dawn, Stacy, and Claudia. So, of course, one of those girls is going to be left out. I would have to say definitely Teeny is going to be the Stacy of the group. Um, as far as Christy, Christy goes, she's the tomboy. It's definitely going to be Roberta in my mind. Um, gosh. So, Sam and Chrissy. I'd say maybe Chrissy could be kind of like a Marianne. And then, um, Sam, hmm. Gosh. Well, she's not a Claudia. Because she's not artsy. Uh, hmm, oh, gosh, I think I'm gonna put Sam as a, I'm gonna make her, uh, put her as uh, Dawn. Yeah, because Dawn's parents are divorced in the books, even though her mom gets remarried to uh, Marianne's father, and Marianne and Dawn are stepsisters, but, um, um, 
Yeah, this is honestly, this was so fun to revisit. I know this is like over three and a half hours long, and I kind of want to just keep it as one. I know it's a long, long time, but um, I know like the Goofy movie, one of them, one of the other movie reviews was almost three hours long. So if this works as a three and a half hour podcast episode, then so be it. Otherwise, I will cut it down, but I kind of just want to keep them as a whole. I want to try to somehow learn how to keep them, you know, shortened to at least under three hours from now, and if I can. So I'll, that's something I can work on. All right, so that was the movie. Like I said, I had a fun time going through this. I really hope you enjoyed my review. It's just definitely this is something, if you're by yourself, if you're on a long car ride, you want something to entertain you, um, or if you're cleaning the house from top to bottom, you want something to entertain you, you're going on a walk somewhere, what, you know, whatever. I mean, as you know, the looking back on my Wonder Years and Wonder Years podcast is rated, um, um, it's rated E, which is not for everybody. It's, um, basically for, um, you know, language and stuff. So, but then again, you guys already know that. So, all right, um, the next movie I'm going to be working on is The War that stars Kevin Costner and Elijah Wood. It came out in 1994, and then The Weekend of Labor Day, you're going to get Stand By Me, and that's going to be, so decide what I want to do. I might see if I can get the movie from the library, the DVD, because my Blu-ray, I have a Blu-ray you know, on the big TV and stuff, that means I had to move all my stuff out to the living room and do it that way, but I want to see if I can at least just get the DVD and watch it here at my table where I do all my podcasting, so. All right, everybody, I hope you, like I said, I hope you enjoyed the review and look forward to many more. All right, bye-bye.